from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. She was just coming to terms with unraveling this discovery, and I signed up immediately. And so it's like a full circle to, uh, to heal I'm in, in multiple levels. When an old friend, I have them to see. Introduce her to my loved one. And while they were dancing, my friends told my sweetheart from me. And I think the music now is starting to get a recognition because we're no longer in survival mode. I'm Sarah Fenske. Dr. Hannah Ha first came to the U.S. as a refugee. She was just eight years old, and her family fled Vietnam in 1975, just before the fall of Saigon. Now Hannah Ha is a physician based in St. Louis. And two years ago, she discovered an incredible story about the woman she knew as mom. Her mother, Win Thi Tham, had been a rock star in Vietnam, an in-demand performer called Phung Tham. Phung Tham didn't just perform at Saigon's top clubs. She also recorded hits with South Vietnam's best composers and musicians, like this song, Ko No Dem Nao, or Remember the Night. is Fung Tam singing Remember the Night, a track she recorded in 1964. And now her songs are being rediscovered by collectors who've salvaged recordings from pre-war Vietnam. And thanks to her daughter, Dr. Hannah Ha, Fung Tam's greatest hits are now being released on an album. And joining us now to tell us more is Dr. Hannah Ha. Hannah, welcome. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you for having me. Uh, it's been an incredible journey for me to discover these songs. My mother always sang um, to us when we were growing up. We knew that she had a great voice. She would mostly sing American songs to us. Um, she would host these karaoke parties at uh, on the weekends. Um, as we were growing up, we would hear her sing so many great American songs. But for me to discover that she had recorded these tracks in Vietnamese over 55 years ago was an amazing journey. Yeah, I mean, this is a remarkable story. So she never spoke about that she had had basically been a rock star. No. She would tell us these fairy tales 
while we were growing up about how she made a great living singing for the American GIs. There was this entertainment industry to perform for the American soldiers and the Vietnamese soldiers as well. And she um, would sing several hours every night, making um, a good living, and uh, that's all she would talk about. And so you thought maybe, you know, this was just, she was entertaining them, not that she's out doing recordings, working with these top composers and producers. You didn't have any sense of, of what this career entailed. No, it was a job. She mentioned it as if she was working in a restaurant. She would go out and perform, get paid, come home, and do it again the next day, seven days a week. (laughs) When did you find out that there was so much more to this story? When a movie was um, being produced in Vietnam, And she received an email or a phone call about using one of her tracks for a scene in the movie. It was a a bar scene, a a club scene. And they tracked her down in the U.S. and and figured out that she had been Phong Tam. They tracked her down from a friend of a friend of a friend, and somehow they got her email. And she... She casually mentioned this to me over the phone. She lives in San Jose, California, and I'm here in St. Louis. And she's alone now, so I uh, really thought it was someone trying to scam her. Mm -hmm. So I said, Mom, please don't sign anything. Just dismiss it. It was a 25-page legal document to use this track. So fast forward a month later, which is in January of 2020, she said, do you remember that movie that I had mentioned, Makbyuk, which is translated to Dreamy Eyes? It's released. And then that started my journey of trying to figure out what track was she talking about? What was the song? And I was able to find it. And on YouTube, there were multiple people that uploaded the tracks. And that's when I started to realize that she was a recording artist. You had had no inkling. You found these tracks on YouTube like other people had taken these old records and and converted it to this new medium? Yes. And And you're hearing your mother's voice. I'm hearing what I think it's my mother's voice, and I had to ask her, Mom, is this really your voice, and is this really your photo on YouTube? And my mother was so surprised. Not only was I surprised, but she was so surprised. She said, where did these come from? She had no idea that they even existed. And playing them back for her... I mean, I assume at one point you're you're clicking play on YouTube, and, and she's hearing this. What kind of reaction did she have to hearing her voice again after so many decades? First of all, it was a shock for me, and to look at the comments and to hear so many people writing positive comments, how wonderful these songs are, and then to share it with my mom. 
She was very surprised to, to hear them. But I think what was really touching for me is to have her hear the songs that she didn't even know she recorded. Mm-hmm. A lot of these tracks were recovered by other artists, and so she hears the melody. She hears other people singing it, and so she recognizes the songs. But to hear the tracks that she's never even heard before, even from other artists, she was, I would say she started crying. Mm -hmm. And she comments on them as if that singer was someone else. Mm like the teenager that she was once, but hearing it for the first time. So this music was really important to her. Our producer, Emily Woodbury, was able to talk to your mom a few days ago with you there. Um, And your mom explained that growing up, her parents would turn the radio to the news, but she found ways to listen to American rock and roll. Here's what she told our producer about that. When I was 12 years old, you know, and my parent doesn't let me listen to the music. And I go outside, my neighbor, and they turn the radio very loud. And I sit outside and I listen all the music, the rock and roll. But at that time, you know, as the, I listen Bad Boon and New Saraka and Connie Francis, but I don't understand the English. And so she, she listened to this music before she knew English at all. What have you learned about how your mom went from appreciating this music to launching a career as, as a singer? So, yeah, it was a discovery for me, too. And, and this memory that she shared with you has been lost in her memory bank for 55 years. And it was pulling it up for her to even recall it. She never talked about that. Her stories were always about singing in the nightclubs, meeting my father in the nightclubs. But it was never about when she was 12 years old, going outside in her courtyard, listening to the radio, and loving it. Mm -hmm. And even now, she says, there's something about American music that's in my blood. When I hear Vietnamese music, I don't feel the same as when I listen to classic American music. It stirs up something inside of me that has been set since I was 12. And so when she recalls this music, it was so clear um, from when she talked to our producer that this is all, it's come back for her in such a big way. She explained that when she was a teenager, she would perform at several nightclubs in one evening, usually from 5 p.m. all the way to 1 a.m. And here she is in conversation with our producer, recalling the types of songs that she would sing. Yeah, for the song, I only sing rock and roll music. Yeah, Like... uh... Let a little girl dance, oh, oh, when the saints go marching in, oh, when the saints go marching in, you know. After that, it's an officer nightclub, only sing like Mona Lisa, Mona Lisa, or Tenderly, or some Betty Bates uh, song, I was dancing 
with my darling to the Tennessee world when an old friend I happen to see introduce her to my loved one and why they were dancing my friends told my sweetheart from me and that is the great Vietnamese pop star Phuong Tam, now living in San Jose. Hannah, how old is your mother today? She's 77 years old. And her voice sounds so young as, as she's recalling those songs. She continues to sing to this day, but only with her friends at singing parties. They still have karaoke parties almost every single weekend. In fact, last weekend she had two parties to go to. Uh, but they've graduated from karaoke machines now to one-man band. And so they hire these musicians to come over and play, and they sing live. And it's five or six hours of singing on the weekend. And are these friends from Vietnam? or these are I mean, are they singing the same kind of songs that she's into singing, these friends? These are friends who are Vietnamese immigrants. And they reconnect from, with music and conversations and food. And uh, they don't know each other. Some of them know each other from Vietnam, but a lot of them they've met here. And but I, they share that culture. They share that culture. And for your mom, when she was a teenager singing in these clubs until 1 a.m., how did her parents feel about that? Her parents didn't like it. Her parents wanted her to stay at school. And, but she was, she had a pull. She, she wanted to sing. That was her passion. That was her love. She did not like school at all. And when she started making a lot of money, her parents didn't really mind it. Well, we have another guest with us today. We're also joined by Mark Jurgis. He's an independent music producer. He's based in London, and he's the co-producer of the new Fong Tam album. Mark Jurgis, uh, welcome. Thank you. It's great to be here with you. So hearing uh, Dr. Hannah Ha describe her mother's career there in Saigon in the 1960s, what do we know about the music scene there um, in those years? In those years, uh, rock and roll was sweeping the world, um, including Southeast Asia. It was no exception. So you had this uh, fantastic modernized music scene in Cambodia, Thailand, Indonesia, Malaysia, the Philippines each place infusing their own sort of musical histories and styles into the sound. And so Vietnam, being no exception, had a very particular style. And this is something I got interested in in the 90s and 2000s, just immersing in it. Um, you had a very forward-looking musical scene, and its recording industry was developing at a very rapid pace. And, and the world was looking to the musical phenomenons coming from the West at the time, um, and in Vietnam, you had influences from the French chansons and the American crooners, um, as Phuong Tham mentioned, and, and Motown and cocktail generation ballads and early rock and roll. They were all influences, and they were all evident in these recordings. So globally, so many new dance crazes were being thought up weekly. You had surf rock and the twist and, and the mashed potato and Phuong Tham was one of a few singers in Saigon that could really meet these styles head on with a particular confidence and, and energy. 
that translates so well in the records. And she loved singing those American songs on stage. And she had done it so well over the over a few years that she'd become a headlining act in town. And eventually these the composers of that time in the recording industry and composers of the stage caught wind of her, these leading composers of the time, and they saw what magic she could bring to the stage and brought her, from my understanding, brought her into the studio to try out, after some training, to try out some of their new ideas there, which was to record these popular styles with, with Vietnamese lyrics. And um, a great record industry was born, uh, starting in the early 60s in that sense. And as a result, she becomes one of the very first singers to record rock and roll, uh, known in Saigon as um, Nak Kik Dong, or action music. Did I get that pronunciation right? I'm not sure. But and action music nyakitong. There we are. And it was a hit. And so she was one of the the first people to sort of bring this style, or or one of the leading practitioners of that style. Mark, is that right? She is one of a very few. Yeah, she was there in the very beginning, and we're talking about 1963, 64, when they started making twist records and rock records, and they would issue them on on small 45 7-inch records. Um, sometimes Funk Tam would have one or two tracks and there would be another leading singer of the time, a male singer perhaps, sharing the bill with her on these records and they just kept issuing these. There were three major labels uh, in Saigon at the time that, uh, and she managed to be released by all three. So Mark, you said this became a real interest for you in the 90s. At that point, were these recordings easy to find? <laughs> it's something I, I came on out of sheer curiosity. Um, I'm Iraqi-American, and I had spent a lot of time immersing in diaspora shops since I couldn't travel to Iraq. So in the United States, in Detroit, for instance, in San Diego, you have Iraqi populations. And I was dipping into these and learning more and more about the music of the Middle East. And um, in this, at the same time, looking around me in Oakland, California, uh, at the, um, the sizable uh, East Asian population there next to me and, and looking at all of their diaspora shops, Cambodians and Vietnamese. And I started strolling into these shops out of curiosity and visiting the Asian branch of the public library and just immersing in this music and falling in love with it. And I wanted to know so much more. It was, it was, a, it was, a, it was a big period of discovery where I would just spend loads of time at these shops, get to know people, make friends, learn about the music. And... Um, one thing that resulted in was was producing a compilation that came out on the Sublime Frequencies label in 2010 called Saigon Rock and Soul, which is what led Hannah to me. We're talking today to Mark Jurgis. He's an independent music producer based in London. He's co-producer of the new album that has come out from Phuong Tham. She was a Vietnamese refugee who came to the U.S. and is now living in San Jose. She's finally having this record release thanks to her daughter, Dr. Hana Ha, who recently learned about this amazing history. More after a quick break. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio. Welcome back. 
Today, we're hearing from St. Louis physician Dr. Hannah Ha, who recently uncovered a surprising secret about her mother, Phuong Tham. Before leaving Vietnam, Tom had been a rock star in her native Saigon. We're also joined today by London-based music producer Mark Georges. Hannah and Mark recently co-produced an album featuring 25 of Fung Tom's greatest hits. So, Mark, hearing about these recordings and this thriving music scene in Saigon during the mid-60s, what happened um, when the war ended? Was this something that just continued to take off from there? Fung Tam's career was was a, a short spanning career. Um, in in 1966, um, she picked up and started a family and started the next chapter of her life. Um, the rock scene and and the recording industry in Vietnam continued and it grew and it flourished. It went through the psychedelic phase, the go go dancers. It got into the heavy acid rock. Um, and and ballads all along the way, and so it went in many different directions, and was then cut off, really cut short in 1975, uh, at, at, as as the war ended and um, people fled, and the music um, the music was banned. It was uh, considered Western influence. Um, in many cases, the the records were burned. We're we're missing you know so much history in that sense with. Uh, lost master tapes, lost stories, uh, lost lives, and um, a lot of people who were able to flee Vietnam and start new lives in the West, uh, many of them in the States. Some of those uh, singers that, that were famous in Vietnam continued to sing uh, throughout the, the latter 70s and the 80s and 90s, and some, some still even sing to this day. And, and uh, Hannah, for your mother, some, this is something that she didn't talk about. She really put this behind her. Is that unusual based on how she uh, approached life in the U.S.? I think, it's, I think it's very common for immigrants to come to their new country and to start over, to do a reset, who uh, were architects in their homeland or physicians or attorneys when they come to their new country, it's almost like they have to do everything again to survive and to not dwell on the past, but to start new, to start assimilating, to um, get back on their feet again. And, And so my parents rarely talked about what was in their past. Mm. Uh, And the only stories that I heard really was how we left Vietnam. And the few days that were needed for us to to leave the country and uh, and also how we how we began new, what we had to do. Well, we had to how do we, how do we get money? How do we work? How do we get an apartment? Who did we live with? So it was very much survival mode. And I think the music now is starting to get a recognition because we're no longer in survival mode. Mm-hmm. We're in a a time where we want to know more about our past. We're curious, especially for the younger generations. My mom, not so much. My mom has lived it. She knew what it was like. And she tells me she's at the end of her life now. And so she's really enjoying the music. But it's more important for me and my Mm -hmm. siblings and my children. 
So when your mom talked to our producer last week, she said that she didn't used to like Vietnamese music. She said she preferred American music. But um, when, when you all spoke last week, you asked her if she feels differently about Vietnamese music today. Do you like Vietnamese rock and roll now that you... That you now I love, now I love the, by, you know, Nếu có sai em gì đó. Nếu có sai nhau. Nếu có sai nhau. Nếu có sai nhau. Now I want to listen that song all the time. Does it remind yeah. you of your husband? And I, when I listen, you know, I'm, I miss him a lot. Do you think he would? Because he didn't. He didn't know I I record so many songs like this, you know. He didn't know. And that is Fung Tam discussing her late husband, um, discussing the music she made. I want to play another one of her songs. This is uh, No Ko Sai Niao, also known as If We're Far Apart. is No Ko Sai Mio, If We're Far Apart by Fung Tam. Uh, Hanaha, I understand this song maybe has some special uh, nostalgia, special significance for your mom. I think that this is one of her favorite rock and roll songs. She, um, when she was asked to record all of these songs, um, she didn't really connect with them. And it, I think it took 55 years for her to really connect with them now. And so of her, of the entire album, that was her favorite, mostly because the musicians were so masterful in playing music at that time. These recordings, as I understand them, um, were first or second takes. There's really no editing. There's no dubbing. Whatever they recorded in the studio is what they went with. And so to hear the musicians, I think my mom just took her back to 55 years ago as to the skills that these musicians had. And yeah, that's her favorite song. Mark, that seems remarkable. They're doing this in one or two takes. That was just kind of how the industry there operated. Apparently, I mean, uh, it's phenomenal that somebody can do it in one or two takes. I think this was a workaday mode and zone for her where she was so immersed in her singing career where she was a star of the stage at night. She would come in and, and record whatever they, um, they had set for her that day to record. And they may do overdubs later. There are incredible, you know, male backup vocals, female backup vocals and, and orchestral moments organ solos that may have come later but her that her singing takes took two takes 
at most is, is really impressive to me. We're talking today to Dr. Hana Ha. Her mother, Fung Tam, was a pop star in Vietnam. Uh, she's now brought out a new album that has 25 of her mother's tracks from the 1960s. We're also joined today by Mark Georges. He is an independent music producer based in London and the co-producer of this new album, Fung Tam, Magical Nights. And Hannah, Mark mentioned that she sort of halted this performing career even before leaving Vietnam, even before the fall of Saigon and this, this music being banned. I understand this has to do with your father. So she met my dad. My dad saw her at one of her nightclub um, gigs, and it was in a jazzy um, tea room. And it was all American audience except for two Vietnamese soldiers, my father and his friend. And they also fell in love with American music, so they were the only Vietnamese patrons in in the place. And after she sang her version of Tenderly, he went backstage and introduced himself. And after that, they had a two-year courting, and they married. He then got relocated to Da Nang, which um, didn't really have much of a nightlife, and she left and left her career behind and went with him. And it sounds like she, um, this was the love of her life. She has uh, a great sadness over the fact he's not here today. She, they had a, they had a, um, a fairy tale love story. He he came from a higher higher class family, and she was a singer, a dropout in high school, and so the the his parents never accepted her until we came to the United States, and uh, now they they really. Uh, brought her in as one of their own family member. In fact, mm-hmm. one of the translator is my father's brother. And so it's like a full circle to uh, to heal um, in, in multiple levels, mm-hmm. healing from the war, healing from multiple generations, healing from within our family as well. So this album is is now out, and this is a, a family project, both sides of the family working on this. Do you think your mother has any regrets that she left this career behind um, to go to Da Nang with your father, gave this all up, and that this is only happening now? No regrets. I even asked her now. She said, if I were to stay and sing, your dad would have married somebody else, and you would not have been born, and I would not have been married to your dad. So why would I have any regrets? Mm-hmm. And you said you have siblings as well. A, a, a big family came out of this. I have a brother and a sister, and uh, they think it's great that this is out for their kids as well. So, Mark, this album, um, this album is amazing. This isn't just an EP. This is an actual CD. It has amazing uh, liner notes. You can read the whole story. You've got the lyrics here. This is such a wonderful project. What made you decide, yeah, we need to go for this. Uh, Hanaha is onto something here. I want to produce this album. <laughs> I mean, in January 2020, when I received that email from Hannah in St. Louis, and she was on the cusp of this, this wild 
personal family discovery. She explained to me that she was the daughter of Feng Tam. She was just coming to terms with unraveling this discovery. And I signed up immediately. And we together had the feeling that this was merely the tip of an iceberg that held so many lost or undocumented tracks and stories. And it was just such a pleasure to undertake with Hannah and the family. Um, and from the start, it was clear what an immersive project it was going to be. We didn't know exactly how many tracks uh, that Feng Tam had recorded, and there may yet still be more. Um, I think it's one of the most immersive projects I've been a part of with so many twists and mysteries and locked doors to find keys for. And uh, in order you know, to source the music and to tell the story and try, try to tell the story well and to fill in the missing gaps. And, and, and what makes it very special for me is that it is a family story. It's a mother-daughter story. And it chronicles Hannah's incredible roller coaster journey to uncover this legacy of her mother. So that was an honor for me to be a part of and, and to watch Feng Tam's reactions or catch wind of them as she would hear the songs, you know, as they slowly came into our realm, you know, song by song and, and hearing her, her um, emotional responses to those and her surprise to those. And I think another important factor to this record, in my opinion, is that this is told from a Vietnamese perspective, because that's something we, we really do lack a lot of the time, is, is stories and documents relating to Vietnam that, that do come from a Vietnamese perspective. Um, her legend has been understated for years, and um, even you know, with our present-day knowledge of Vietnam's quite explosive music scene of that time, her story slipped between the cracks. And I think a story like that can help add to our understanding of this um, super fragmented history, this musical history in Saigon in the late 20th century, and to the cultural histories that are left behind or untold or omitted, uh, and in this case, a lot of the music banned, and, and uh, a lot of trauma, but, but remembering the good times and, um, and coming back, yes, there's baggage, and, and we learn to unpack that and we learn to look back with different eyes. Hannah, your mom was able to hear these various tracks as they were uncovered and, and piecemeal along the way. But what was it like presenting the final album to her, 25 songs, and, and her journey rediscovered here? She did not get to see the final product until we had the, the, the actual CD. Because number one, she can't keep a secret. She cannot keep a secret. She has so many friends, and I knew that it would be revealed before it was completed. I also want to give a shout out to all of the collaborators that helped me with this, because I didn't even know the extent of what my, mo my mom had. And, uh, and I would not have the 25 tracks that you uh, are hearing without their effort. Well, it's a remarkable project. It's a wonderful story. Dr. Hanaha, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Sarah, for having me. And Mark Georges, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. To listen to more of Fung Tom's music or get her album for yourself, you want to see her page on Bandcamp. We have that linked at stlonair.show. And let's go out of the show with one more recording from Fung Tom. This is The Sadness of the City. <laughs>
This episode was produced by Emily Woodbury with audio engineering and podcast design by Aaron Dorr. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thanks. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at ChooseWood.com.